We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Demo! Hey! Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the brand new intro in honorary of uh, Mr. Brain Fajoko making the roster. Had to uh, hook him up with the uh, introduction there, courtesy of Tyler. So excited to dive into everything about the Chargers 53-man roster, including Fajoko making it, uh, with my guys Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? I am doing wonderful. It was fun just discussing everything in Discord, on Twitter, whatever, with everybody, all these cuts. But yeah, obviously we're here partially to celebrate Braden Fajoko making it. <laughs> we all wanted this to happen, and I'm so happy that it did. Yeah, I gave a wonderful press conference, which I'm sure we will uh, talk about as well. Uh, Alex, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Uh, Braden Fajoko is a charger, which is great. And Jalen Rager is still an eagle. Um, but other than that, everything's going fantastic. Man, they they had Britton Covey just right there for the taking. Uh, uh, now he's going to be in New England and uh, maybe a eight-time Pro Bowler, probably. Yeah, New England's going to have a tough choice between uh, our guy and Bandy and Bandy yeah. and Covey. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the uh, initial fifty-three man roster. We'll talk about, of course, the predictions that we got right, we got wrong. Um, some of the analysis that will go into each position, um, lots to get into in terms of, you know, talking about the league as a whole, um, you know, if, if you're a, a national podcast, I guess. So we'll, we'll give some thoughts there, I'm sure. Um, first and foremost, have to do some news and notes from today's practice. Um, shout out to Tyler's dad, new intro rocks, he says with a big super chat. So appreciate that. Um, in terms of the news and notes, I think we have to start with, of course, J.C. Jackson. Brandon Staley was asked for an update for, uh, about J.C. He is in a walking boot, but he seems to be doing fine. He was lifting with his teammates yesterday back at the facility. Um, Brandon Staley was asked when they will know what kind of update they can have around what time. Uh, Brandon Staley said that they need to get the walking boot off first, and then they'll kind of reassess. So um still potentially two to four weeks we'll have to wait and see what that update changes but um back at the facility lifting with his teammates sounded like good news for the most part but again we just have to wait and see until uh the uh, walking boot comes off sorry i couldn't unmute there for a second this is great as far as news regarding the situation you know we weren't quite so sure they give us two to four weeks so we could miss two games Listen, I'm no doctor. I'm certainly no guy going to medical school, but medical school by any means. That's the this guy over here on the YouTube channel. But it sounds pretty good as far as things are going regarding that injury, the or the not the injury, the you know, the wound, if you will. Sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like a guy is going to be there week one. Yeah, uh, sounds like a guy's 
probably going to play week one. I mean, they just got him out of the boot and they said they'll reevaluate so we can talk about it then, I guess. But it seems kind of like crisis averted and at least it got taken care of when it did. Kind of wish it maybe happened like two weeks earlier, like when it first started happening. But um, still better late than never. And, you know, if he there's any chance he could play week one or at the very least play uh, on that short turnaround week two, then I think that uh, that's great news. Yeah, to be 100% clear, I'm not the one going to medical school. That is Alex. Uh, oh. I don't know. I guess some people are saying that Tyler accidentally pointed at me and not Alex. But Oh, oops. Okay. Is it flipped? Is it flipped? I, yeah, I think on YouTube it's, it's flipped for me. So you pointed at Steven and you were like, he okay, was one of these med- people is going to medical school. 50-50 <laughs> chance. <laughs> I mean, each of us are going to have a you know secondary degree pretty soon here when you guys finish. So, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, other update, of course, from today, Isaiah Spiller back at practice, at least in an individual drill capacity. Um, Brandon said he said he was looking good and, and they're trending positive on him potentially playing, but would not confirm if he is going to play week one or not. Um, just based off of how they've handled kind of the other injuries, I would expect him to kind of work individual drills this week, maybe kind of ramp up to team drills next week. And then if he feels good then he'll play. If he doesn't, then he won't, obviously. So uh, hopefully he will because uh, certain running back uh, RB4 right now would uh, have to be playing as RB3 in that situation. So uh, root for uh, Isaiah Spiller getting healthy today or this week, I should say. Yeah, all right. I'll jump in then. Uh <laughs> Great. Another set of good news. This is wonderful. All these injury things are really working out for everyone except Mark Webb, it seems. Uh, hey, you know, we thought he'd be absent, you know, Isaiah Spill be absent week one. Uh, I will say that now that he's healthy, why are we keeping four running backs? Like, I mean, obviously he has to get there. He has to be in pads. He has to be practicing in full. He has to be, you know, catching passes, taking hits. But, uh, you know, we could move on from a certain RB4 if he looks like he's starting to get pretty healthy. Or you could just, like, upgrade at RB4 with the 75 other running backs on the waiver wire that are better than him. Uh, Justin Jackson, where are you at? Uh, but, no, I, I think that uh, Isaiah Spiller getting healthy is really good. And uh, if he can play week one along with J.C. Jackson, I mean, that's just uh, two huge advantages for the Chargers uh, and relief for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of running backs available. Sony Michelle was cut uh, today. Marlon Mack. I don't know if I'd be interested in Marlon Mack, but um, quite a few running backs available on the waiver wire and potentially uh, via trade in Minnesota. So um, they certainly have options if they want to. Um, Less than positive news about Donald Parham, who still is not practicing. Um, They did only keep the three tight ends, which we'll get into, of course. Um, but it does sound like he's still at least a week away from doing individual drills. Um, so I would kind of put his week one status in question. Uh, but of course, that can certainly change down the road. Uh, Corey Lindsley did not practice today. He was not mentioned in the injury status or the injury portion of Brandon Stadia's press conference. So that could certainly be a veteran day off. Sounds like there's been uh, a lot of those for Corey Lindsay. So hopefully there's nothing going on there. Um, you know, it's hard for me to uh, not look at all of those veteran days off in, in kind of a negative tone, given that that was what they did with uh, Brian Bulaga last year. So we'll see, but uh, everything has been positive about Corey Lindsay. I'm trying not trying hard not to freak out and stress out a little bit too much about that. Yeah, man. I mean, he's taking these veteran days off. Braden Fajoko said that Khalil Mack was out there not taking veteran days off, running with the twos and the threes last week just because they needed more bodies. I'm joking. I'm sure everything is fine. (laughs) Um, I hope everything's fine. I guess we'll find out. But there definitely is that, oh, Packers lineman thing uh, that we're still having to shake off. Yeah, um, I'm not going to utter the words Brian Balaga yet until, you know, something right. happens week one and then suddenly he needs back surgery, quintuple back surgery. Like, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> that seems like what would happen, but uh, I'm not going to get too concerned about it yet. It seems like it was just a veteran days off and, uh, you know, Corey was healthy last year. So uh, all the best to him and hope he's OK. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was there an update on Dean Leonard? I didn't really see one. 
My understanding is he's week to week with a hamstring. Okay. So we'll see there. Of course, obviously me in the roster, um, you know, which we can again, get into in a second here. Um, I think that's it in terms of news and notes that I have from today. So we'll dive into uh, the official roster. So um, Tyler is going to share his screen here. Uh, we're going to start with the offense here first and foremost in terms of the players who made the roster. And then we'll talk about some of the guys who, uh, of course, did not make the roster. Uh, starting, of course, with the quarterbacks. No surprises. They kept all three. Justin Herbert, Chase Dan, and Easton Stick. Uh, running back, fullback. We already mentioned it. They kept the four. Plus Xander Horvath. Um, Tyler actually found out early on, uh, yesterday morning that Mr. Gabe neighbors was not going to be on the roster. So big shout out to Tyler and everybody in the discord was able to, uh, get an early window there. Um, Alex, what do you make of this, man? I mean, Xander has been essentially practicing with the fullback, uh, by himself for the last few weeks, but, uh, now that we know that it is officially Xander, what are your thoughts here? Um, yeah, I mean, this pretty much went exactly as we predicted, like our two that we kind of missed from on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but this was perfect. Um, eh, well, perfect in terms of our prediction, but not perfect in terms of how I maybe would have made the roster. Um, we knew they were keeping three running backs. We knew it was also going to be four running backs and then Xander Horvath at fullback. Um, I mean, this is a pretty solid unit. I, I like all the wide receivers, obviously. Um, and, you know, you get into the offensive line, which, you know, aside from, you know, the question marks at right tackle in terms of how Trey Pipkins will perform and, you know, how Storm Norton could perform, you know, if the Trey Pipkins experiment, you know, fails or doesn't fail. Um, aside from some of those, like, big picture questions, I think that this is a pretty solid offensive unit. The biggest omission, I guess, on the offense is going to be Michael Bandy. But I don't think that there's, you know, considering the orientation of the roster and they were going to keep three quarterbacks, they were going to keep four running backs. At that point, there just wasn't a spot for Bandy as much as I would have liked to have had a player on there that just showed himself all, you know, preseason long uh, and, you know, all training camp long. But aside from that, um, very predictable uh, offensive group, but that's also what it's supposed to be. They're pretty stacked on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, would have changed one or two things, particularly keeping four running backs and keeping three quarterbacks. But that's what the Chargers have liked to do. Um, and there's no real surprise cut here, unlike last year with Tyron Johnson and a couple other things. But just in general, with the roster, it just feels like we knew Staley a little bit better this time around and how the coaching staff likes to do things. Uh, and that's how the offense really played out. Yeah, the good news is it went exactly according to plan. The bad news is is it kind of went exactly according to plan based on how we predicted it. But hey, you know, I'll take it. It gets me close to I think that gives us an A or A minus or whatever on our predictions. Uh tight end. I'm happy. I wasn't sure like of the spots that we were sort of flip-flopping between. Tight end was one I think that they could have definitely have kept four. They did last mm-hmm. year. Um, but as we pointed out before, Joe Lombardi with the Lions and a couple years with the Saints or the last two years. Not that it was his roster at the time, but they only kept, they never kept four tight ends. It was only last year that they did that. And that's because they had Jared Cook. This year, you have someone like Gerald Everett who can actually block, Donald Parham who can block, Trey McKitty who can block. So you don't just have, oh, I have Jared Cook and he can only sometimes catch passes and run routes. No, you actually have three guys who, in theory, can all block to some extent and can all catch passes. So you don't have to carry four. That's nice to see. That's great. Um, yes, Michael Bandy. People are unhappy about that one. That was going to happen regardless. And I get it. He deserved to be on the roster. Based on his performance, he deserved to be on the roster. But, you know, Arjun pointed out in the Discord, I don't know if you mentioned it on Twitter, that, you know, internally they just weren't a huge fan of, like, the type of receiver that he is. Now, which sounds ridiculous, right? Like, he's producing. He looks great. Why would you not want him? But they clearly have kind of, I guess, size matters type, if you will. Josh Palmer, you know, they didn't go for the small gadget Calvin Austin guy in the fourth, fifth round. Now they have Josh Palmer as their wide receiver three and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, guys that I believe are all, you know, six foot or six one or, or taller, kind of bigger guys playing Gerald Everett, not a small guy either. So they didn't really seem like they wanted to even keep him as is. Um, but of course, it, sure, it would have been nice to see him on here. I'm just happy that at least one guy that was fighting for a job or a spot did make it. And we'll talk about him later. 
Yeah, you know, in terms of Bandy, I'm sure after uh, everybody heard Brandon Staley say that Michael Bandy was one of us and that he's a charger and we want to keep him around, that people were kind of uh, hoping that he would be, you know, around on the team. And I I totally get that. He produced like crazy. You know, Brandon Staley again today mentioned that, you know, he looked up at the New Orleans scoreboard and saw uh, Michael Bandy was kind of the leading receiver in the preseason. So, um, Bandy was very productive. Like Tyler's mentioned, I, I just don't think that he fit the body types. And I think they're not to the extent of like the Packers where the Packers will just flat out not touch any receiver that's under six feet tall. But I mean, the, even last year, right? Like Tyron Johnson, 5'11". They chose Jalen Guyton, who's 6'1", instead of him. You know, this year, Michael Bandy not making the roster. And, you know, DeAndre Carter, of course, uh, is kind of the exception there. And so is Andre Roberts. But in terms of like their core starting players, it definitely seems like they are starting to kind of have a type. And and just from like a role standpoint, I don't think that there was a spot in this rotation for Michael Bandy. I think that he earned a spot on the team, but it's tough for me to envision, you know, a, a role in which he is able to succeed and excel at with these guys on the roster where, Keenan Allen's going to take snaps in the slot. Josh Palmer's going to take snaps in the slot. Joe Everett's going to take snaps in the slot. Austin Eckler's going to take snaps in the slot. And so is DeAndre Carter. So I, I just, I really would have loved to see him because I thought that he earned it. But I, I don't think that there was a natural spot for him on this roster and specifically in this rotation. Yeah, and as far as the roster goes, and we'll look at defense in a bit, a, it seems like they want defenders on special teams, not just you know a Michael Bandy type. And they just there was no also sure. there's no additional value for Michael Bandy. There's no like yeah sure they tried to have him return kicks, but Joe Reed wasn't playing. It's not like he was the second string guy the entire time. Maybe he could return punts, but eh. And him returning kicks didn't look like that great. It wasn't like this big electric returner. He's not gonna be a guy who's going to be your gunner. He's not really going to be covering kicks. So. There's also some non-value there. If everybody's healthy the entire year, Michael Bandy's inactive for 17 games. Like there's there's really no shot at him seeing the field as an active player. Some of these guys, you know, that they did keep over him will be. The only counterpoint I'll say to that is that despite Michael Bandy probably being a healthy scratch for 17 games in a theoretical situation where everybody's healthy. Larry Roundtree is probably going to be a healthy scratch for over half the season if all the running backs stay healthy, right? Sure. Since Dick, a healthy scratch for 17 games, knock on wood, if all the quarterbacks stay healthy, right? So that goes back to roster construction. And even though Michael Bandy would have been the wide receiver six, and that's not nearly an essential position if we're talking about earning it, Michael Bandy did more of that than Easton Stick or Larry Roundtree did this preseason, and yet they're still on the roster. So I do think the argument from that standpoint um, even though all three of those guys are, are going to largely be inactive throughout the year in an ideal scenario where no one gets hurt. Um, I, I do just think that there's that aspect that even though he's a little bit redundant with DeAndre Carter, I still would have liked to have seen that spot rewarded. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, moving on to the offensive line here, we'll wrap the, the offensive side of the conversation up. Uh, obviously, keeping the three offensive tackles, Rashawn Slater, Trey Pipkins, and Storm Norton. Uh, Trey Pipkins officially named the starting right tackle today. Um, so, you know, team's excited about him. I know, obviously, uh, Duke Manningweather has been speaking very highly of him. We've kind of beaten that train to a dead horse. It's, it's officially time for Trey to kind of go out and prove it. Um, in terms of the interior offensive line, obviously, they kept Corey Lindsley, Matt Filer, Zion Johnson. The, that will be the uh, starting trio. And then Will Clapp, Jamari Sawyer, and Brendan Hymas. So, I'm curious about the construction of this unit overall. I think that you have to kind of keep Brendan Hymas and, and and develop him, but there's a decent amount of offensive tackle depth out there on the waiver mm-hmm. wire, especially a guy like a Dennis Kelly or, you know, someone like um, Joe Haig, who played for the Steelers, did not overlap with Sean Surratt, but, um, you know, he was a pretty reliable swing tackle. So if the Chargers do want to, bring in some swing tackle competition. Obviously, Alex Leatherwood was waived today as well. Um, They could have the option to go out and do that. Um, And really, the only player who I don't feel super confident in kind of staying on the roster would be Brendan Hymas. So I think offensively, offensively, everybody else is pretty set. 
maybe they go out and get a different running back outside of Larry Roundtree. But I'm not super sold on Brendan Hymas ultimately being on this roster come week one. Yeah, it almost seems like if you bring in an extra tackle, that would be redundant. But then I think two backup guards is redundant as well. So it's kind of just how you play yeah. it. I, I do I do agree that I think Brendan Hymas is the one. Like, let's say it is Alex Leatherwood. You don't bring in Leatherwood to immediately be your backup swing tackle. Or I guess you could. But that, to me, is something you have to develop over time. You have to fix so many of those issues that he had because he, he was not a good player. And clearly, yeah. they don't think he's a great player currently. So there's a lot to fix. So I think people would think, oh, well, you bring in a tackle. So you would you know kick out Storm Norton, keep Hymas. And they certainly could. But I think you need to give, like, Norton, for better or worse, has been taking the reps at left tackle. He does have the experience taking reps at left tackle. And so there's there's something there, at least. Whereas Hymas, like, you can just kind of let him go, and you have Jamari Salyer as is. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Chargers kind of looked towards the trenches last year when it came to uh, some of their, you know, cuts when they did pick up guys on the waiver wire. They uh, uh, forced Merrill, obviously, when he made that first initial roster and then brought in um Trey Marshall and Eric Banks uh in that first initial run so you know maybe they look towards that you know end of the offensive line with some like guy like Brennan Hymas I guess Dean Leonard or maybe Eamon Ongpong Pamiko would be the guys on defense where if you're looking at the waiver wire you're just looking at oh uh you know who's going to be the guy that's going to be cut then you know we could see at that point sorry I think I froze out there for a second so apologies there um, but yeah, we'll see if the chargers are able to do anything. I'm again, I'm so used to like, you keep nine offensive linemen and that the backups are essentially your backup center, your backup swing guard, and then two tackles. That's kind of just how the Chargers have done business for a, a pretty long time. There are a lot of teams who will keep 10. They'll keep their whole second unit intact. I know the Packers pretty much are, are pretty consistent in that regard. Um, but I, I do, I would like to see them bring in a tackle, at least, you know, some kind of practice squad type. And, you know, we'll see what they do with somebody like Zach Bailey or Foster Serrell. But, you know, I would like to see them kind of explore that market a little bit if they are able to. Yeah, I would agree. Was it, it was the last show or the show before you mentioned they felt that Hymas could play four positions on the line? Uh, so that's something that Daniel Popper reported. I, I haven't heard that myself, but he's, he said that they feel like he can play every spot except for left tackle pretty much. Um, you know, we've seen him play guard. We've seen him work with the centers, at least in some kind of warmups and practice capacity, um, has not played tackle to my knowledge, at least in any practice reps or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Something to monitor. And I guess as far as practice squad goes, Serral looks like he's on his way through that if he clears, which it sounds like he will. Um, so there's kind of your practice squad elevation potential guy. That doesn't mean I feel good about that. No, I would feel good about Zach Bailey being the practice squad tackle, but it uh, sounds like that is not going to be happening. Um, you know, he does have apparently at least two or three teams that are planning to put in a waiver claim on him again. I don't, I don't know if that changes, right? They're, like I said, there were so many offensive tackles that were cut today that I, like I was surprised everybody around the league is is hurting for tackle depth and then they're cutting all these bad tackles. So or not bad tackles, decent tackles, I should say. Um, so obviously something to keep an eye on in terms of the Alex Leatherwood. You know, I did want to say this because I like there were a lot of conversations happening that I don't really particularly agree with. And I know that, you know, he's a Raider and it's like so funny that they were drafted him and then they cut him and. Yeah, I don't blame Alex Leatherwood for that, right? Like, no. I think that the Raiders have handled that situation so poorly. And not that the Chargers are like the beacon of player development, right? But it, I, I like the way that they generally approach it under Brandon Staley, right? Where they help you kind of find a home, get really mm -hmm. kind of comfortable in that one position. And then if you're able to do more, then they kind of allow you to do that, right? Like Asante Samuel Jr., only playing on the outside, last season now this season they're kind of putting him into the slot a little bit more you know you're talking about um what they've done with jt woods where they only keep him deep and then they'll kind of expand his role going forward mm -hmm. you know i don't think people understand how hard it is to get drafted as a right tackle and then in the middle of the season get switched to guard where you haven't played since you were a freshman in college and then you go through a coaching change in the middle of the season another coaching change after the season, a scheme change, 
then mm-hmm. they're still trying to figure out if you're a guard or a tackle in the preseason practices. And then after the first preseason game, when it doesn't go with the plan, they bench you and now they cut you. Like mm-hmm. there's not a player in the league that would be able to succeed in that kind of situation. So yes, Alex Leatherwood was absolutely overdrafted, mm-hmm. but to me, he was still a top 50 player in that class. And if it were me, I'm putting in a waiver claim. I don't care what team I am. Like mm-hmm. it's so hard to find good tackles. And if Alex Leatherwood can come in and get in a better situation and becomes that, then it's worth the risk. So that's where I stand in terms of Alex Leatherwood. I would at least put in a waiver claim. The Chargers probably wouldn't get him. You know, they're like 18th yeah. down the board. But, you know, you lose nothing putting in a waiver claim. Yeah, as long as the as long as there's nothing we don't know, like if there's some sort of character thing and it's just not working out, as long as that's not there, yeah, put in a claim. Why not? I think the Chargers should maybe start if they don't already, you know, trusting their development process here. Uh, you know, not that Jaime's has worked out all that great, but, you know, the relationship with, you know, their current coaching staff, with the players and how they draft, how they sign players, and the relationship with Duke Manyweather, like, I would feel pretty good about that. And listen, Leatherwood already has that relationship, I believe, still with Duke Manyweather. So listen, if there if there's a problem and it's an easy fix and they go, hey, what were they asking him to do that was incorrect? You know, how can we work with this? I don't see why you wouldn't put in a claim. Um, again, barring character or something that we don't know about. It's amazing, honestly, looking at just the draft class of all the offensive tackles, all these guys that had to switch, it's like nobody's worked out. It's 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 a glaring, obvious signal. Don't do this to a player if that's not the best thing for them. Like Jamari Salyer going from left tackle to left guard was probably the best thing for him. That makes sense. Leatherwood, I mean, maybe it was, but you can't just, oh, let's try him left tackle. Oh, let's try him right tackle. Oh, let's try him left guard. Oh, let's try him right guard. Oh, it didn't work. Amazing. Like, what did you expect? So, yes, he was overdrafted, but I think we were all like, hey, second round? You know, wouldn't mind that at all. Again, like you said, he was a top 50 player. Um, I think we had him both in the top 50 at least. I put in a claim. And also, it's a testament, honestly, to how freaking talented Panay Sewell is that he's surviving and thriving, having gone right tackle, left tackle, right tackle, whatever it is, with Anthony Lynn's offense in Detroit. The fact that he's surviving and thriving is a testament to how good he is. But that's, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, um, I mean, I think if, even if you're taking Rashawn Slater and you put him in that situation with the Raiders last year and just said, okay, you know, not just that you go through, you know, three coaches in the you know period that he went through, but also who the hell is the GM? And <laughs> then yeah. you have that regime change. Uh, was it John Gruden that drafted you? Was it Mike Mayock that drafted you? And then, oh, also, who's this, you know, new GM coming in from New England? What does he think of you, right? So, I mean, there's that perception in what his role was supposed to be as well um, that I think is really challenging, too, in terms of the Leatherwood situation. So even if he put Slater or Sewell in that situation, I I still think it it probably ends up poorly for them. I don't know if they would have been cut like Leatherwood just based on their raw ability and the fact that we thought they were better prospects. But um, I, I don't see how anyone could look at the Raiders situation and how dysfunctional it had been prior to, you know, hiring this new regime that I frankly still don't believe in. But um, it, all the chaos there to me, I mean, that you take a chance on someone who has the attributes that Leatherwood does, especially if the worst thing that happens is it doesn't work out and you just move on. Yeah, I, I think the Chargers are are in this kind of mode or at least kind of getting into this mode where, you know, they're going to be cap strong in the future. And the way a lot of teams kind of overcome that is they take on players like this. And if it hits, you are a genius, right? Like you get this free, potentially high quality starting right tackle. Uh, of course, you have to you know, develop him. But that's one of the reasons why teams like the Rams and the Buccaneers and all these teams are consistently good because these t- they take these reclamation projects and who are in unstable situations. They put them into a stable situation and coach them up and work with them. And if they pop, great. You lose nothing. You you lost nothing acquiring that cost. So that's just where I'm at. And um, you know it is what it is. We'll see. I, I, they will not get him. He, he's going to go to a team in like the top ten in the waiver claims, but. Uh, we'll see. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get to the defense. I know we've been kind of chomping at the bit here. Uh, we'll go through it really quickly. Chargers keeping six defensive tackles. Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery, Otito Obonia, and, of course, Braden Fajoko. At edge rusher, they have Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack, and Chris Rumpf. At linebacker, they ended up keeping six. We'll see, again, how the calculus changes there with Kyle Van Oy, but they keep him, Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil, Troy Reader, Nick Neiman, and Eamon Ogbong-Lamiga which was one of our misses uh, at cornerback. They kept the six JC Jackson, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr. Bryce Callahan, Ja Taylor, Dean Leonard, uh, and then safety. The other miss of our position group, uh, we had them keeping Mark Webb. They did not keep Mark Webb. Uh, they didn't have keeping Derwin, Nasir Adderley, Alohi Gilman, and JT Woods. So Tyler, we'll start with you on this time. Uh, I think it's only right that we start with Mr. Braden Fajoko. What are your thoughts today? as uh, you found out that they were uh, finally going to keep him. Dude, I barely slept yesterday <laughs> or last night. I don't know why. There's just there's only so many players I've ever been yeah. like, emotionally attached to. But I just I just felt it for for him, for his family, for the fan base. Like we all wanted this to happen. I I honestly had a difficult time sleeping because of that specific thing and you know, I, I know last year he was cut an hour before team meeting started and so there was there was no real like indication that he would make it and all these guys the goal is to not get a phone call no one tells you hey you made it no one tells you that you just kind of either get a phone call or you show up to work which is like horrifying so i I, (laughs) I don't know i don't know how these guys on the bubble even function when it comes time for cuts but i'm so happy Somebody had to win. Somebody had to win a job. Bandy, fine. Jamal Davis, fine. Fahoko, obviously fine, and he did. If you're preaching competition and, and guys fighting for spots, somebody has to win it. Somebody had to. Or though you'd lose the team. You, no one would believe you about competition. And he earned himself a spot. He was honestly probably the best defensive tackle throughout training camp in the preseason, if not the second best at least. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy for him. Um, I occasionally I keep in touch with his family and you know, I was talking to his mom today about it and saying congratulations and all that. And she said, you know, one that she was uncontrollably crying, which is, you know, I, I get it. And two, she said, it feels like my son was finally drafted. And you realize that, mm. yeah, like nobody's wanted their kid really this entire time. No one's really wanted Brady Fajoko on their roster, which sounds harsh. I know, but like, yeah, they needed him. Some guys get hurt. You need a body. You need someone for special teams to block on kickoff return. They've needed him at times. But this is the first time somebody said, you know what? We want you on our team and we want you on this roster. And so, you know, great for him. What an emotional, amazing press conference he gave today. Um, yeah. Really, really deserved it. I think the fans, you know, wanted this to happen. Of course, he wanted it to happen. And I'm really happy it did. Yeah, you know, we've. I feel like we've gotten to know him a lot more. Uh, he's gotten a lot more attention this year. You know, there was the mic'd up from him. That video of him and his dad from the second preseason game was awesome. Um, you know, the interview with Haley Elwood. And so there was there was a lot of positive buzz around him um, just because of, like, who he has become and who he, um, you know, means to this team. And, you know, a lot of that matched up with the play on the field this time around. And, you know, just consistently – you know, impacting the line of scrimmage, I think, is the way that I would kind of describe Braden as a player. And I think the Chargers need that, right? We'll talk a little bit just about the overall construction of that unit in a second. But um, couldn't be happier for a player because he's become so beloved by his, his teammates. You know, him and Sebastian Joseph Day 
are attached at the hip, I feel like, and they're always just laughing it up together and, you know, having a great time. And, you know, <laughs> the, the, uh, ox cord question when everybody was kind of roasting him, I thought was hilarious too. Um, but you know, couldn't go to a more deserving player and he's had to fight and, and claw his way to making this roster. And I, I thought that his press conference today was a really great window into the kind of struggle that goes through these players journeys into making the roster who are undrafted or who are sixth and seventh round draft picks. So, um, couldn't be happier for him. He deserves it. The defensive tackle room is is significantly better with him around as opposed to the other guys who you know we can talk about. Um, but Fajoko played his way into this spot, and like you said, if you're a team who's preaching competition, you have to reward a guy like this. And uh, super happy that they ended up doing that. Yeah, Stephen brought up the the Braden Fajoko's music taste thing, and uh, <laughs> despite my moral and ethical objections to him saying he would cut Kendrick Lamar because he's just a <laughs> lyricist. Uh, I'm very happy that Braden Fajoko made the roster. Um, obviously, we, we talk about competition, and to me, you know, you, it came down to him and Christian Covington, uh, obviously, as concerned who would be that sixth defensive tackle. And you're looking at a guy at Christian Covington who did not perform well last year. You're looking at a guy in Braden Fajoko who was, you know, one of the top guys in the league in terms of run stop percentage and made a positive play and positive impact whenever he was on the field. And obviously, uh, this preseason, Braden Fajoko outplayed Christian Covington by a fair margin, right? Um, and so the fact that he made this team, you know, football's by no means a meritocracy. Otherwise, Michael Bandy would be on this roster. Otherwise, other guys would be on this roster. Um, but I do think that Tyler's point, you know, you just had to have one guy in terms of a competition that, you know, made that roster and made that impact. And even though there was no undrafted free agent this year, in a way, Braden Fajoko is kind of that undrafted free agent, you know, sure. from last year who made this team um, this year, despite not making it last year. So, um, you know, obviously the Chargers are in a situation where it's like they've boosted their roster quite a bit and there's not really a lot of like open competition spots. We, you know, anyone could have made a prediction and probably gotten 49 or 50 of the guys. Right. But I think the fact that, you know, Fajoko really showed that he deserved that spot relatively quickly within the first preseason game or so uh, and just never let go of that uh, in comparison to some players in years past who had moments where they shined. Uh, I think that that, you know, really speaks to his character and, and how he shows up every play. But uh, no, I'm really excited to have him on this team. Um, kind of excited to have Christian Covington off of it just because, man, some of those run defense games were pretty ugly last year. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that Fajoko is going to be still a great fit on this team. Yeah, I think from a pure on the field standpoint, I, th I think one of the reasons that I'm really excited about this is I think it gives them a lot of flexibility with Sebastian Joseph Day in particular, because I think this team needed like a, a true nose tackle to come in here and make an impact. And I think that's why they drafted Otito Ogbonia. I, I feel like that's what they envision him to be, but he's just not there yet. And so I think if you had kept Christian Covington, you're looking at Sebastian Joseph Day and saying, hey, you are our zero tech, you are our one tech, and because of our roster construction, you don't really get to move around the line. And to me, that's one of his strengths is that he can play all across the, the field and he can play even all the way out to a five tech. I'm comfortable with him out there and rushing the passer. Now, because of Braden Foco, he's able to do that. And you can put him at the nose in, in a base package, right? You can put him in the nose and then – Sebastian Joseph Day at the four eye technique, you can put Austin Johnson at the three tech and you can just move people around. Right. And, you know, I think those three create such a, that's a really tough unit to run against, man. And then you're also talking about Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. So, um, you know, he's not a household name. I'm sure people, you know, who are not fans of the chargers would listen to this and be like, why are they so excited about like the six defensive tackle undrafted free agent? But, I just think he gives them so many more options than keeping a guy like Christian Covington would. And, you know, I, I'm excited to see what that frees up for him. I'm excited to see what that frees up for Sebastian and Austin Johnson. So um, he's a really good player, really good run defender. But I think the real value here is being able to free up Sebastian Joseph Day in particular. Yep, 100%. And yes, I, I maybe other teams or players or fans don't know him, but he got a lot of love today. Like a lot of love on Twitter. I, I posted yeah. that he he made the team and 
you know, I got Sean Smith. There's a Dolphins player. There's people from Hawaii and LSU and Texas and coaches and whatever. Like, there's a lot of love for this guy. And But yes, to your point, him freeing up Sebastian Joseph Day would be huge. Yeah, and, and just like... I did just talk about the undrafted free agent nature of it, but it does really feel like we just went through Braden Fajoko hard knocks, even though we went through Braden Fajoko hard knocks two years ago, where it's like, okay, you know, he, this was our guy. Yeah. He made the team right. And, and very much that kind of way too. So it was just, it was nice to see that rewarded. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll uh, move on here and talk about the edge rusher position. This is uh, again, I, I don't act like I'm a, a huge expert on everything, but everything that I've seen from like a Vic Vangio defense is that they typically have like four, five, six edge rushers. Uh, you know, the Broncos in 2019 had six edge rushers. Chargers keeping three this year with Joey Bosa, Klimak, and Chris Rumpf. I know that Kyle Van Oy can play there, um, but to me, that feels like a position that they can certainly address. Uh, address hello, address through the waiver wire. Uh, if they wanted to, again, a lot of quality pass rushers on the waiver wire at this point. Um, you know, so we'll we'll see what happens here. <laughs> the fact that this team, this particular team, kept six linebackers is like <laughs> utterly hilarious to me. After everything, all the discourse that we had heard uh, within that building about why they didn't want to keep Kaiser White, and then they go out and they keep six linebackers on the first roster. It's uh, both annoying and also very hilarious. I'll throw out some things that might be a thing or maybe they're not a thing. Okay, so one, sounds like this is probably a good thing for Chris Rump. That means they believe in him. That's great. Good. Awesome. Um, could Kyle Van Noy be playing more edge? And it's really just four edges and five linebackers, maybe. Uh, is Kenneth Murray going to be playing some edge? Kyle Van Noy, Mike Drew Tranquil at will. Is Kenneth Murray going to play edge again? Uh, God, I hope not, but we could be in for that. I will also say, potentially... Based on what we've, you know, we've talked to, you know, some of the position coaches, Morgan Fox is going to be used all over, not as a stand-up edge rusher. I don't mean like that, but we see, and I feel like we've seen more of these stunts, these loops, these twists that we really didn't see last year. Your DT3 and DT4 now, I'm assuming, are Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery. That gives you some options to do some things, not in a traditional, you know, stand-up outside linebacker edge type, but you can get something different from those guys. So maybe... Their approach to this is they're going to go more four down front and they're going to do something with those guys. And of, of course, Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson. And maybe they don't feel like they need a fourth, like traditional stand up edge rusher because Van Noy or whatever can do it. All that said, I would love for them to bring in some sort of edge rusher. We knew that they weren't super big fans of the edge guys that they had, but I'm, I'm not surprised because we, we said they wouldn't make the roster. But like of the guys that did play well this preseason, Kemp, even Egbele and Davis all did play pretty well. So it's a kind of a surprise that, you know, they just they really didn't feel like those guys were any good, or at least not good enough to make the active roster or the initial roster. So I guess we'll see. I I feel like Amen's spot or maybe Dean Leonard's spot, but in particular Amen's spot is a temporary hold right now, potentially. Yeah. Um the six linebackers to three edge thing feels a little bit phony in a sense because it's like well Kyle Van Noy obviously is going to be playing some edge um and then you know you can have Amanog Bangamiga or you know a couple other players on the defense like to me the defense is much less settled than the offenses in terms of waiver claims that the Chargers can put in and other moves that they can make uh between now and the first game so um you, whether that's Amanog Bangamiga spot or Dean Leonard's spot um, I still do think there probably are more waiver wire claims and moves coming. Um, <laughs> I hope it's that it's Kyle Van Noy at edge and he's just hybrid between linebacker and edge because man, I'm not right. doing this Kenneth Murray, Jerry Tillery edge experiment again. It doesn't work. We've tried it over and over again. I don't know why we keep doing it or why the chargers have faith that that's the answer. Please just let Kenneth Murray play linebacker and stop moving him around the field because that was the problem last year in addition to his injuries. But anyway, um, yeah, I do think it is funny on paper that this team kept six linebackers for how much Brandon Staley hates linebackers. Uh, but overall, I am not too surprised here other than the addition of Ogbong Pamiga, but obviously that could be very temporary, like um, Forrest Merrill's status on that initial roster last year. Yeah, so 
I like I think that the Kyle Vannoy thing here is obviously going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. But like he was taking all of the Mike snaps whenever he was on the field in training camp. Like he was not an edge rusher at all in training camp. And, you know, he told or not. He told Brandon Staley supposedly told Robert Mays that they want Kavanaugh essentially like leading their defense, as, you know, as being like another focal point in the middle along with Derwin James. And so I think that that ultimately he will kind of dabble in the edge rushing business. But I, I would expect at this point, like 90 percent of his snaps to uh, be coming at, at linebacker. And, you know, you know, he can he can certainly blitz from there and affect the, the quarterback that way. But it's really flipped the opposite of what we initially expected. And after he was on the Pat McAfee show saying that he was excited to get into a place where he could rush the passer more often. And now he's going to be the starting Mike linebacker. So um, a lot of can a lot has changed and a lot can change. They could certainly put him back on the edge, but it sounds like from everything that people are talking about, meaning like national media members that they want him at the Mike linebacker spot that they feel like he's a stabilizing presence there. And they really value his ability there. So uh, I don't know. Like to me, you need another edge rusher if that is the case. If your plan is to, even if your plan was like to split him 50-50, I still would prefer like another edge rusher just to have like a full-time edge rusher. Because if anything happens to Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa in the middle of a game and your solution is Kyle Van Oye playing on the edge at that point, then you're taking away from the linebacker and in mid game, that's a really hard change to mix to say, okay, like Kyle Van Oy, you're no longer our starting Mike. We're going to put you on the edge and we're going to put Kenneth Murray as our starting Mike in the middle of the game. That's a very difficult change. I would just rather have a full-time edge rusher that I could just put in there. And of course that could certainly be Chris Rumpf, but I think it gives them more flexibility again, if they have another edge rusher and then Kyle Van Oy can kind of, move around the chessboard a little bit more and be less rigid that way. Yeah, definitely a lot of questions here. It's not like you can count on Bosa to be healthy all the time. You can't count on Mac to be healthy all the time. Rumpf looks great, has yet to actually do it in the regular season. Kava Noy, I think he's been healthy for the most part, but again, veteran guy, you never know. So yeah, a lot of questions to be answered here. I think we just have to wait until, you know, maybe some weeks of practice or at least obviously week one. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the second area here again. Uh, we had Dean Leonard making the roster. I felt like that was uh, something that the Chargers kind of had to do because of J.C. Jackson. Yeah. Um, still, none of the, none of the uh, primary beat writers had Dean Leonard on the roster. So I feel like uh, there was some surprise about him making the roster after the way that he played. Um, we were definitely surprised at Mark Webb not making this roster. You know, we had heard that the Chargers were very, very high on Mark Webb and were still interested in potentially developing him down the road. But Brandon said he said today he was not on the field and they did not feel good enough about potentially keeping him. Um, sounded like they're hopeful to bring him back on the practice squad. Uh, but this obviously was kind of the biggest surprise of the day. So, Alex, what do you make of uh, Mark Webb not making the team and what do you make of the secondary construction overall? Um, I, I think the Mark Webb thing is a little bit surprising because, I mean, just how glowingly Brandon Staley spoke about him, how he envisions him all over the field and that kind of stuff. At the same time, if he isn't healthy right now, he it's, you know, I don't think there are going to be teams tripping over themselves to claim Mark Webb on the waiver wire. Right. So there is that aspect to the fact that I think he was more expendable and maybe the chargers can do some kind of version of what they did uh, with Joe Reed uh, last year, where they just sort of cut him off the roster, let him get healthy uh, back on the practice squad. And then, maybe you can elevate him later in the season uh, when the time comes and he is healthier. So that's a potential route that the Chargers could take there. Dean Leonard, uh, not all that surprising at all because, I mean, obviously J.C. Jackson's hurt and they you know, lost uh, Devon Campbell as well uh, due to injury and maybe he would be a guy that's on this final roster uh, had that not happened. So obviously uh, we're just sort of sitting here with six cornerbacks and four safeties and these are probably the guys going forward um dean leonard is probably the one spot where if they pick up somebody on the waiver wire there's a quarterback that brandon staley likes on the market that could be a potential expendable spot so i don't necessarily want to take a ton of victory laps on that one yet uh similar to even you know taking the loss on amanag mangamiga in our predictions because i think that could also still be um up in the air as well 
So nothing super surprising, although I'm, I'll be very interested to see if they value Mark Webb enough to want to bring him back on the practice squad um, just because of how glowingly Staley has talked about him when he mm-hmm. is on the field. Uh, I did want to bring up a point from earlier in the chat when we were talking about Alex Leatherwood and we were talking about um, waiver claims. So I just wanted to understand the waiver system. They would be picking up his first round rookie contract or like any mm-hmm. team that picks it up would be picking up that contract. Right. So I don't know if any team is going to waiver claim him more if they just wait till he, you know, uh, and wait till his rookie contract is off the books. I don't know. Yeah, I think it just depends on. Well, if you can absorb it, you're great. It's I think three ish million dollars a year, three four million dollars a year. Yeah, if you can absorb it, you know, I think some teams might just prefer to do that. Um, I can't imagine he would sign for much elsewhere, like any more than that. Probably, I would assume less than that. But it might be worth it to someone just because it's like, yeah, maybe you don't want to spend three and a half million dollars a year on Alex Leatherwood, but if you do it right, then you're then at some point you could be only spending three and a half million dollars a year on Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, so you do have to take on the existing contract if you claim him. And, you know, obviously that means the team would have to have the cap space. But it's not like we're talking about, you know, somebody that was like a $15 million player. Like he's still on a rookie deal, still very affordable, um, still have a fifth-year option to work with. So, you know, I, I still feel like if a team would potentially claim him because he's on a rookie contract and um, you know, they could certainly risk that, right? But if you're a team who needs a, a tackle situation, you know, Duke Manweather – uh, brought up the Steelers, right? The Steelers tackle situation is not great. Um, they too seem to value his opinion. And if you're the Steelers, why would you wait for somebody else to pick him up? Right. So I don't know. It's just, it's just about playing that game uh, if they want to. Yeah. As far as the, the DBs go. Yeah. Dean Leonard. I, I get why you maybe wouldn't have him making it, I suppose. But like the, he was the only body that they had, so that's why we put him on there. As far as Mark Webb, that was a surprise because the oh, okay Raheem Lane, they that camp their camp wasn't really feeling that they were going to make the roster, and they knew they weren't because they loved Mark Webb, and so there was they were kind of evaluating their options as if like he, they were just no shot, and then so we all kind of felt that Mark Webb was going to make it because they loved him. Uh, it, it really seems like they just wanted to get Mark Webb and kind of sneak him. It feels like almost like they could have cut him at any point. Um, yeah, it's not like the injury got better or, or got worse. I should say, at least I hope not. So they could have cut him really at any point, but they didn't. And now they did. So it just feels like they kind of just snuck him through, I suppose. Um, again, I think Amen's spot is, you know, up for grabs. I think when Mark Webb is healthy, um, that could be Amen's spot. I'm a little surprised by the construction of the safety group. Like, is this probably the group that we would have? Well, it is the group that we assumed outside of Webb, sure. But I mean, you don't really have. You have Derwin James, who can match up with anybody, pattern match, cover, and whatnot. But that's not really Nas, or they, I don't think so. Maybe they think he is now. That's not Alohi Gilman. That's not JT Woods. I'm a little surprised they don't have like even like a Raheem Lane type, or maybe they'll just bring back Mark Webb. But all these guys after Derwin James are feel like kind of your deep safety types uh, unless Nas again his role has changed but I don't know if it has so they have a lot of deep safety sort of types not really much of that pattern matching you know slot potential kind of types so I'm, I'm a little surprised but I guess if Mark Webb's hurt then you have no chance or no uh, choice yeah absolutely the safety group is was one that I was really excited about heading into training camp and then you know Raheem Lane kind of his stock kind of took off after that that first week of practice and Suddenly you have six legitimate safeties that could potentially buy for four spots, five spots. Um, n- now you you have kind of a, a lot up in the air. So obviously you feel great about your starting duo. Alohi Gilman is injured, um, you know, but he uh, obviously is a little bit more limited to in the box work as opposed to um, matching up deep and, and covering tight ends and things like that. I think they believe that JT Woods can become that kind of matchup safety chess piece at some point you know brandon steady did mention his ability to cover tight ends as a potential strength down the road um but i think right now if you're talking about like working in jt woods and having him play to his strengths you're probably limiting him limiting him to deep uh responsibilities only uh and then kind of working with him throughout the season so 
again, like I said after the preseason game, they they need to be patient with JT Woods. They and we as a fan base need to be patient with JT Woods. So this is certainly a, a group that I feel like they could um, address in waiver claim systems. You know, there's Anthony Harris was kind of out there. He's more of a JT Woods type where you're he's a deep safety only, in my opinion. Um, Zach Whitaker pointed out in the chat, Will Parks to me is is somebody that would make a lot of sense. Um, he's kind of a better version of what they had in Trey Marshall, you know, somebody who can kind of play a few different roles. He was in Denver with Trey and with Brandon Staley and with Ronaldo Hill. So he's very familiar with the system. That's the thing when we're talking about all of these players who could potentially come over on a waiver claim, they have to be familiar with this kind of system. Otherwise it's just not going to work. You know, this late in the process, you're not taking on uh, somebody like Marquise Bella, Marquise Blair, who was mentioned in the chat, who I would love, man. He's a Utah guy, of course, but he's been in a Seattle cover three scheme his entire career. So um, that just does not make sense to me. So I do feel like they could address this uh, position. They could certainly wait until Mark Webb is healthy and bring him back. Maybe they bring back Raheem Lane, um, but we'll see. I, I think this is definitely a, a position that's still kind of up in the air. Yes. Uh, do have to give a shout out to uh, Alex Kasten and uh, um, Gavino Borges. They also had Dean Leonard making the roster. So uh, shout out to them as well. Any other thoughts here, guys, as it pertains to uh, the defensive construction? No, but I will definitely have thoughts if it's still <laughs> six linebackers and we're running a nickel or dime defense. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was the other thing. Like, we all kind of pictured them doing a lot of, uh, you know, like 5-1-5 looks, essentially, or, you know, 4-1-6 or something like that. And uh, they're keeping six linebackers. So, uh, very, very interesting. Um, yeah, every right. day outside of the first day of practice, it was 4-2-5. So, I don't... One hell of a linebacker rotation, I guess. Yeah, so you have three... You're, you go three units deep, essentially, at linebacker. <laughs> Oh man. Um, all right, let's uh wrap this up conversation up and then we can take some questions if you guys want to. Um, Alex, five players you want to definitely see back on the practice squad. Uh okay. I mean, Michael Bandy is definitely probably top of the list in terms of offense. Uh I'd like to see Hunter Kampmeyer there just because uh the Donald Parham situation uh and you know waiting for kind of him to be back. I think he was really impressive in the preseason and training camp whenever he did play. So, you know, I just think having that fourth tight end, even though they're not keeping one on roster, um, you know, keeping that guy on the practice squad and promoting him whenever they need to, I think would be really good. Um, defense, I mean, I think you're looking at Mark Webb as probably the biggest, you know, asset that they kind of have there in terms of what they believe his future projection and future ceiling to potentially be on this team. Um, so I'd like to see him get healthy on the practice squad and then, you know, potentially be promoted, uh, later to play. That would be really solid edge group. I think you're talking about really any one or two of those guys, um, being on the practice squad and being promoted at any points in time. If you're talking mm -hmm. about Jamal Davis, uh, or probably MK Agbele as well. Um, uh, obviously there's a lot of familiarity with Agbelay uh, with his years on the practice squad and experience. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went in that direction. And, uh, I'll, you know what? I'll root for my guy, Tyreek Maddox Williams to get on the practice squad. Yeah. Um, and, and hope that, you know, I mean, obviously he played really well in the preseason statistically by PFF and other metrics as well. So it'd be really nice to see that. Yeah, I think maybe after this we can talk about some players that we know like aren't going to be sticking around the practice squad. So if I don't yeah. mention them, it's partially because of that. Um, aside from the guys that Alex mentioned, or maybe I might repeat myself, um, at Ryan Hunter, they literally need somebody on the interior. They currently don't. I don't know if he'll stick around, um, but it's kind of <laughs> feels like they're indifferent to that point. So Ryan Hunter, sure. Um, I liked what I saw out, out of Trayvon Bradford in camp. Didn't see a lot of him in the preseason all that much. Um, but some good things from him there. So I'd love to see that. Not that I want to move on from Joe Reed and Jason Moore. I would just like to see some different stuff at this point because those guys aren't sticking and doesn't really seem like they're going to really do anything this year. So, you know, give them a shot. 
if Andrew Brown decides to stick around, I'd love to see him there. I just think he's he's flashed. He's a guy that has flashed, did flash mm-hmm. in that last preseason game. So I'd love to see him. Um, really, any of the edge rushers, or excuse me, three of the four edge rushers, I'd love to see. So like, hey, Carlo Kemp, give him a shot. Didn't do a whole lot during training camp, but those preseason games look good. Um, Raheem Lane, I'm definitely rooting for. I, I get Mark Webb, and he probably will be the guy. But Raheem Lane is, you know, healthy and available. So at some point, I'd just like to see him get a shot. Um, and then Damon Lloyd, big standout this preseason. Really thought that maybe, maybe there's a chance he had a shot over Amen, um, but I guess not. Yeah, great choices there. Um, I, I don't really have a ton to add there. I was really interested <laughs> in Sage, Sage Sherratt. Um, I felt like he yeah. flashed some good things at tight end. Um, so I, I know that he's injured. I don't know if that means that he'll potentially come back at some point if there's an injury settlement there. Um, Keemon Hall flashed some really interesting things to me as well. Um, you know, last season he was, you know, somebody that I think you could kind of picture, you know, becoming like a core special teams player. He was a good blitzer. He's kind of been replaced by Joe Taylor essentially from like week one of training camp, but, um, they put him on the outside. I felt like he was fine in the preseason. So he's somebody I'd be interested in. Um, I think of the edge rushers, I'd, I'd actually be most intrigued to keep, keep Carlo Kemp around weirdly enough. Um, I feel like he's probably the most well-rounded of that group. I think MK is pretty clearly like the most refined pass rusher, and I don't understand keeping him around. But I feel like Carlo Kemp, you get a little bit of uh, both worlds there. So, uh, And then obviously Joe Reed, man. I think that there is something there potentially to to kind of develop, and I, I, I hate to keep talking myself into that, but I mean, I pictured him as kind of like a slot gadget guy, and then in the first preseason game, he comes out, as a backside Z receiver and, he, and he's scoring a touchdown on a post route. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by that development and um, you know, it's unfortunate we didn't get to see more of him. Um, all right. In terms of the guys, we are pretty confident and will not be back. I mentioned Zach Bailey. Uh, I heard from somebody in the building that they think he has two or three waiver claims processing, um, including the Washington Commanders who waived him, and that's how the Chargers got him. They potentially mm. want him back. Um, would be very surprised at this point if Joe Gaziano stuck around. He reportedly feels like he deserves a better chance of playing time, and it's hard to blame him because mm-hmm. I never really felt like he did have a legitimate chance of making the roster and didn't really feel like they were kind of prioritizing him. So do not expect him back. Um, Tyler, anybody else that you want to add there? Uh, there is love for Cyril to return partially. I'm sure because Bailey is on the way out. So they, they literally just need a body at this point. So Cyril could definitely return. Um, I think last year they had, sorry, I think last year they had three offensive linemen on the practice squad. So I would expect, um, Cyril and Ryan Hunter probably stick around and then they probably add somebody Mm -hmm. else. Yeah. Hunter's camp seems indifferent. Ty Shelby's a whole situation I can't really get into. Raheem Lane's considering their options. And that's all I can think of. I'm curious about Tavon Campbell as well. I don't really know what his mm-hmm. injury situation is. Um, he's still in Los Angeles based on his uh, Instagram stories. But um, again, he's uh, he's got a lot of starting experience. I think I'd be interested in bringing him back as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Is there any noise at all about Kevin Marks and Letty Brown? Uh, I mean, maybe yeah, the noise can... is. Yeah, <laughs> that, does, that does sound like what the noise is. Um, but there's there's I nothing mean. there's nothing about Kevin yeah. Marks. I know that there's been some chatter about Letty Brown, particularly as like a pass catcher. Um, yeah. You know, Telesco talked about him. I think it was the third preseason game, maybe when he was in the booth with um the the broadcast um but yeah there's there's not a ton there so you know maybe they make some changes there at uh practice squad because they'll they have to have practice squad running backs like they i mean they don't have to but they probably will hey you can have a practice squad running back his name's larry roundtree i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um all right so uh, again, the Chargers can make some waiver claims as of tomorrow. Um, we will obviously keep you posted when we have some information. If you are not in the Discord, I would definitely encourage you to uh, do that. So we got a lot of new members there. 
um, and on Patreon as well. So you can find the Discord through Patreon or through YouTube membership, whatever uh, platform is kind of easier for you to figure out. Um, we would definitely encourage you to, you know, check in there and uh, get some some great information and have some good conversations. You know, I think we we of course like break some news in the Discord, but we also just have a good time chatting up with people in the in the regular Chargers main chat. So uh, anyone is welcome there. We appreciate all of the new members there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, just dropping that Foco did make the roster. There was just <laughs> fanfare and emojis and whatnot. It, it was fun. Uh, I like that little small crowd of people that we get to talk to in that Discord. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully that crowd uh, gets larger. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for our episode tonight. We uh, Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We had a little over 400 live viewers at one point, so... Appreciate all of that support. Appreciate the super chats. And uh, like I said, if you're not on Discord, would definitely encourage you to do that. So, Alex, any uh, final thoughts, man, before we head out for the evening? No. Excited to get to the, well, I guess we'll get to the real 53-man roster once the Chargers process some of these waiver claims and uh, we figure out if there's any new additions. But uh, excited to get to the regular season, finally. I swear if they cut Britain for hook of tomorrow, I'll be inconsolable. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do that, man. After he gets up on the oh, press conference and talks about how. Yeah, well, yeah, they, oh, they wouldn't man. have put him at that press conference if they were going to cut him. But, man, that would be that would be an awful, awful PR look, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, is Eric Congrats, Banks Congrats on making the roster. Sorry, we need room for Eric Banks again. <laughs> I think he's available. Is yeah, he's Banks, did he, was he on a, ro- I, on a practice I, roster? On, I actually looked this up a few days ago because my brain is poisoned. But um, he's he was on the Lions, and then I I think he I don't think he made the Lions final roster. But let me double check. Oh yeah, by the way, I'll be a Justin Jackson stand for the next you know lifetime. So uh, if he's he's available, I believe I believe he was cut. He was second in yes. the entire preseason in yards per attempt. Oh. I think he had like. 15 touches for 200 total yards. So, but you know, no, nah, you know, don't listen to me. Don't, you know, no, he's not good or whatever. 2.1 yards per carry with uh, your fourth running back currently. So, yeah, he's like 80, he's like 94th out of 98th in the league in like a bunch of categories. So, yeah, um, I like guys that are in second, you know, over 94th, <laughs> but maybe that's just me. That's just me. Yeah. Justin Jackson was awesome on special teams last year, too. So, there's that. All right, so um, we are potentially going live tomorrow as well. We'll keep you guys posted on that one. Um, yes, Jack H, they did cut Justin Jackson. A lot of Lions fans were really surprised that they uh, did end up cutting Justin Jackson after how well he played. So uh, we'll see where he ends up. But um, yeah, that's going to do it for us today. As always, if you're listening to the audio version, please rate and review the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed there as well um spotify apple stitcher all that good stuff um all right that's gonna do it for us as always bolt up